Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the MTB podcast presented by Worldwide Cyclery and now actually hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. Uh, This podcast was formally presented by our awesome friends Jonathan Lee and Stephen Lewis, and they kind of slowed down on the frequency of podcast publishing because, uh, you know, life happens. Stephen had to start traveling for work a lot. Jonathan rides and races bikes all the time and had a has a young kid at home. So uh, we asked those dudes if we could uh, take over the podcast for the time being, and, and they agreed. So uh, I'm Jeff. I'm the founder of Worldwide Cyclery, and I am joined by my excellent co-host, Jared Erickson. Hello there. That is him. Uh, we uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a good podcast. We promised those guys we would do some certain things the same way they did, and that is share valuable mountain bike knowledge with you guys to better your ride experience. Uh, we promise to continue with the no profanity, so that you can listen to this podcast with your children in the car. Uh, and we promise we promise to be as unbiased and as informative as possible. We promise to keep it positive. And uh, what else we promise, Jared? Have fun always. That's the rule. Yeah, the that, only rule. That was pretty good because uh, I tried to catch you off guard there, um, but I didn't. And uh, maybe we'll toss in a little humor here and there. Uh, today we'll start out with the fact that uh, as we were prepping for the podcast, uh, I look over and I hear a huge belch. And Jared is, uh, he has the mail slot open with his hand and he's belching out of the mail slot. I guess to not get the belch air inside the room was that was there that were you? two main reasons that was one and the other one was to see if anybody outside would notice <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah there you go and i think i've farted into the microphone three times as we were testing the audio At least. uh the uh, gentleman here on our team mr scott jackson also known as aka dj pineapple uh scott please run some of the fart sounds you recorded from me earlier All right. So on the show today, uh, we're going to talk about a few things, uh, bike industry stuff, impacts of COVID, uh, some really cool philanthropic things going on in the bike industry that we really appreciate and like seeing and uh, like supporting, Uh, some bike tech stuff like standards and super boost and things like that. And then we're going to talk about what we're riding right now, bikes, trails, types of riding, all that sort of stuff. So it should be a good, fun, valuable episode, and we're going to keep it positive and entertaining uh, right off the bat. Bike industry stuff, COVID impacts. I feel like a broken record on this one. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about uh, what's happening with our business a lot on YouTube and making posts about it and trying to communicate that as much as possible. Uh, It's been a wild ride. It's uh, it started out as you know March. Everyone was terrified, and we thought our sales would plummet because no one needed to ride bikes and they were going to be worried to go outside. And who knows? And it turns out the opposite happened. you know, COVID made it so people rode bikes more often and got into the sport of cycling of all disciplines, including the enthusiasts that we like to serve, the high-end mountain bike crowd. And man, things uh, things went off the chain. Uh, Jared, how's it been from, uh, you do a lot of customer support, uh, a lot of special order related things. How's it been from your side of things? It's been wild. I mean, supply chain has definitely been affected, obviously. Tons of stuff has been out of stock. Everything from maintenance parts to tools to upgrades, you know, drivetrain, everything, you know, suspension, service kits, you name it, it's probably out of stock. Yeah. And, and that's and that's now. So so to be clear, in in April, May and kind of early June, things were in stock. And as cycling as the popularity of cycling soared. Uh, there was sort of a run on the banks per se, and and uh, we sold out of tons of stuff, and so did everybody. Mm-hmm. 
And that now left us coming into the latter half of June and July and August and, and now September and, and inventory, like Jared just said, is like slim pickings. Mm-hmm. Uh, 60% of our online catalog on WorldwideCyclery.com is out of stock right now, which is uh, insane. all-time low uh, by far and away. So pretty interesting stuff. Uh, that's COVID. I mean, if you guys want to know more information on that, uh, check out our YouTube channel. We published a few things on there. We have a blog about it on our site. Uh, the whole bike industry has gotten a lot more publicity because of this. Cause I mean, every local bike shop, every bike rental service, every online shop, I mean, and this is globally, uh, which, which at the end of the day is, is really cool. Like it, it makes it a challenge for us working in the bike industry, but it's awesome because you know that, you know, on a daily basis, thousands or hundreds of thousands, or maybe even millions more people are riding bikes, which, totally. which is awesome of all kinds, mountain bikes and, um, you know, city bikes and beach cruisers and, and everything good, good, socially distant fun sport. You can do close to home and, and with your friends. Isn't Absolutely. Right? It is there. And it's nice to see a lot of people on bikes, which is great. Yeah. Have you been riding more yourself, Jared? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been trying to ride as much as possible. You know, when the trails first shut down, when COVID hit, I was beside myself freaking out. Park rangers parked at the trailhead, like keeping people off the trails. And I'm like, this is one of the only places where we can, you know, be socially distant and go do our own thing. And we're not even allowed to do it. So, you know, big relief when the trails opened back up and, and, uh, you know, got to ride a bunch again. So that was awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it it seems like, you know, by the data and just everything, everyone we talk to, our friends, ourselves, and, you know, clearly the whole bike industry, that's just the same story across the board. Mm -hmm. People are new, people are getting into the sport, people are riding more and yeah, all all good stuff makes it a little challenging in the industry and challenging if you're a customer trying to, uh, you know, buy something and it's not in stock anymore. (laughs) Absolutely. Or if Um, you got, if you're missing your Shimano brake pads. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You need Shimano brake pads. Yeah. And then you can't ride because you literally cannot buy brake pads. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, that's, that's COVID impacts, uh, moving on, uh, some really cool things that are happening in the bike industry right now that I wanted to highlight. And I kind of think this is, this is business 2.0 and this is something I'm a bit of a business nerd as well as a bike nerd. And, uh, something I, you know, what I define as business 2.0 is businesses that, um, are not just around for the sake of profit, but they're around for, you know, gener- you know, generating a healthy profit with a customer centric business model, meaning they're providing an exceptional customer experience to everyone they serve. And then they're utilizing that profit to put back into important things that improve their local communities or, you know, the earth or society or or whatever, or promote fun and happiness on the planet. Um, I like that. I think businesses are very powerful things, especially the larger they get. And, And the more that businesses of all kinds focus on you know, sort of providing value to the world, I think, I think is good. So a couple things, uh, a good friend of ours locally, Elliot Jackson, he has started a thing called Grow Cycling Foundation. Uh, you know the mission statement, don't you, Jared? Yes. The Grow Cycling Foundation is here to promote the education, access, and opportunities that increase diversity and inclusion in cycling, which is awesome. Yeah, it is really cool. So so they are starting out with a number of things. A lot of brands in the industry have, have sponsored them. And one of the first things that they're doing is, of, of course, uh, trying to raise some, raise some money so that they can then deploy it to, to do all these good things that are on their sort of mission statement. And uh, what they're doing right now is they're actually giving away, they're doing a sweepstakes with a, a Yeti SB150 with all Kashima factory Fox stuff, um, incredible components. And, and the sweepstakes has already raised, as of recording this, $48,000 uh, with a $50,000 goal, but they have 23 days left. So I'm sure they'll get that. The way it works is, um, 
you know, check out Grow Cycling, uh, just Grow Cycling Foundation. You can find them on Instagram real easy. And the way it works is you get, let's see, each entry gives you a chance to win. And uh, you basically get, what, look at it on this website here, 10 entries, 10 bucks, 50 entries, 25 bucks, 250 entries, 100 bucks. Um, you can donate as much as you want. Like I said, they've already raised 48K. And uh, again, it's a sweepstakes, right? So the more you donate, the higher your odds are of winning, uh, which is amazing. Someone's going to win an incredible bike. And you know, grow cycling and, and Elliot are going to have some capital to go deploy and do really good things with. And, and Jared, I know you've maybe talked to Elliot a time or two, and he's like the nicest human in the world. He totally is. is. Yeah. It's awesome to see stuff like this and they happen to be giving away the best bike in the world. So <laughs> it's a win-win yeah. situation. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know we said earlier, we would promise to be as unbiased oh, as excuse possible. Me. That's, that's true. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jared is, is, is slightly a, a Yeti fanboy, which you may learn over time. Um, although he's had many other bikes, he, he always ends up back with a Yeti cause he's, he's in love. Um, you know, that is what it is. The, uh, the 150 is killer. So anyways, check that out. That's really cool. Some other brands that are doing cool stuff and actually, uh, so Santa Cruz bicycles, they have a new initiative, I guess you could call it called pay dirt mm-hmm. and they are, what, what is it? They're going to donate a million dollars, pledging to donate a million dollars over the next three years towards trail projects, local organization events, and programs that are geared towards creating and strengthening opportunities for people to get out on the trails. So it's awesome. Santa Cruz is doing stuff like that. Uh, they they let a lot of people apply for grants. And then uh, earlier this month, they, they announced, I think it was 17 organizations that are going to receive the pay dirt grants. And Grow Cycling Foundation was one of them. Uh, so was, uh, so was people for bikes, which, which I like, and I think they do a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. And yeah, again, like this is just great. Like seeing things like Grow Cycling Foundation, seeing things like Santa Cruz Paydirt, um, it's just rad to see like the industry, you know, trying to get more people riding bikes, having fun, having fun in like a good positive manner and building new trails or pump tracks or, or whatever. Like, you know, that's amazing. Absolutely. Riding bikes, good old fashioned fun, helping support the communities. Doesn't get much better than that. Agreed. So check that out. And then something actually I want to bring up real quick that I learned about today is Trail Forks Karma. So probably most everyone has heard of Trail Forks. Uh, it is a app and website that's owned by Pink Bike, and it's kind of like a, a crowdsource mountain bike trail. I guess they're doing not just mountain bikes, but other types of ATVs, snowmobiles, all sorts of stuff. But started out from Pink Bike, right? So it's predominantly mountain bike trails. Um, you know, trail map, kind of like Strava a little bit. Yeah, or like MTB like, project kind of. Yeah, yeah, probably more like Inter- MTB project interactive yeah, offline or all trail trails maps. right mm-hmm. all trails is more like hiking but trail mm-hmm. forks like predominantly mountain bike it seemed like they've hit critical mass and they have trails all over the world now on their app and on their website but something they introduced i don't even know when they did this uh but trail karma and you can actually just like when you ride trails you record it on trail forks a little pop-up comes up and you can donate money to the trail you just rode which which is rad and then you get karma points and then if you go to trailforks.com slash karma uh, you can see, you know, as of now, they have almost 18,000 donations and uh, $450,000 raised with Trail Karma, which is crazy. And it shows the top donators in 2020, uh, recent donations, the top donators of all time. Uh, it's amazing. And, and, and I noticed the, the top associations, uh, there's actually only one from the United States. They're all Canada, except for a couple. Uh, it looks like that's Mexico. Is that Mexico? I hope that's Mexico or mm. maybe Spain. I don't know. I'm going to look like a real idiot for this one. Mm. Uh, what flag is that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, 
it's Mexico. I was yeah, right. I no, you're right. It, it is Mexico. Yeah, I see it. Um, but anyways, it's uh, it's cool to see. And, and you know, Pinkbike is a Canadian company, and uh, and that's kind of where Trail Forks was birthed out of. So I, I think this is taking off in their communities more than anywhere else. But if there's uh, a lot of them, uh, us Americans listening to this, United Statesians, uh, check it out. Go make some donations and put a put some U.S. associations on on the map here. But yeah, really cool. I mean, I, I love seeing that stuff. It's it's funny to see. Uh, uh, a friend of ours, uh, BKXC, big YouTube dude. Everyone knows him. Uh, he's number four on the top donators in 2020. So spread the cool. love. I Absolutely. think we. I think we need to. Uh, you know, we've been batting around this idea that we we're going to do some really weird, interesting, off the wall thing on Black Friday. Oh. So uh, yeah, we'll keep it under wraps for now. But we were thinking, I don't know, maybe instead of doing a stupid sale like everyone does, we were just going to raise all the prices. And then send all of those donations to somewhere we like. Amazing maybe, idea. Maybe trail associations will get that. I don't know. If you have any ideas for that, let us know. Uh, by the way, you can you know hit us with questions, comments, concerns, whatever, at podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. Uh, so we're going to manage that inbox, that email address now for uh, anything you, gotta, you, gotta, you got for us. So send it on over. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Jared? Send it. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. I love that idea. Let's, let's raise the prices and let's contribute some of those funds to places that need it. Yeah. 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 We did that, uh, actually a while back during the Australian wildfires and, and we raised a good, a bit for the Australian mountain bike trail associations Mm -hmm. to rebuild after those fires. And that was awesome. feels good. I mean, I like doing that stuff. I want to try and do more of that stuff. Um, it's, it's hard to execute those things in, in a, in a proper way from a business standpoint when it comes to like having, you know, knowing how to sort of move the money from one place to the next Mm -hmm. and, uh, all of that. But, uh, yeah, it's something, you know, we want to continue to work on and, and, uh, get good at, and man, maybe one day do something really epic like Santa Cruz with a million bucks over the, over three year span. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. That would be rad. They're doing some good stuff over there. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so next segment we're going to jump into, bike tech stuff. So obviously most people know Worldwide Cyclery is is kind of a bunch of bike nerds. That's kind of what we're predominantly known for on our YouTube channel. And uh, we're mountain bike dudes and and dudes and dudettes and and sending us questions and phone calls. You can talk to bike nerds and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, people people appreciate how we explain things. And we we do that on YouTube as best we can and uh, through our customer support. And we want to do it on this podcast as well. And and that's something the MTB podcast, when Jonathan and Steven were were at the helm, were, were doing really well um, those guys are both super talented riders I, I rode with both of those guys uh, in Reno Nevada uh, where they're from and where they live and uh, it was epic those those dudes are fast we rode some gnarly stuff uh, there was there was a lot of crashes there was I had a dirt unibrow <laughs> uh, we made a video about it it was like two years like September of 2018 I think it was um, so anyways bike tech stuff a few things we wanted to talk about real quick super boost BB standards and bikes getting too slack. So super boost, Jared, what is it? What do you think? Super boost 12 by 150 slash 157. Is it strictly 157 or is it both? I think it's just 157, right? Yeah. Cause I know there's, you know, both, I guess predominantly on DH bikes. Right. But I know there's like, yeah, some yeah, that's, and see, stuff that's like where that. it got confusing. Right. So, you know, DH bikes were 12 by 150 mm-hmm. and then DH bikes went to 12 by 157. Got it. Uh, but I mean, man, so few people have a DH bike now, but the idea behind super boost. So DH 
one twelve by one fifty seven is not the same as Superboost because Superboost has a, a the the hub oh. flanges are spread further apart, so it makes the wheel more of a stronger triangle. Okay, some other spacings changed. I don't know. It's it's confusing. It, uh, is. I mean, <laughs> it really is. Even you know we live in this world and it and it's still confusing. It's still hard to figure out. And Superboost is an interesting one. Every everyone knows who's been in the bicycle industry a while has seen bikes go from you know quick release axles, which you know kind of evolved from road bikes and stuff like ages ago it was like oh so convenient you don't need a tool to take your wheel off um but then it flexes like a crazy noodle and it doesn't work well um so then it went to 12 by 142 in the rear that is and then the front was 15 by 100 that was kind of like the first iteration of through axles for mountain bikes then it went to 15 by 110 uh which was just boost right that's what Mm -hmm. they called it and then boost rear ends were 12 by 148 and now they're trying to do super boost on the rear of mountain bikes, which is 12 by 157 for, for trail bikes and XC bikes and whatever. And and the engineers have their own reasons for this, right? In terms of, you know, can you get the wheel closer to the frame to shorten the chain stake? Can you get better chain ring clearance? Is the wheel more of a triangle, which makes it stronger? Like there, there's all these different reasons, but at the end of the day, it comes to me, it's like, and and then there's obviously a lot of, a lot of hate in the mm-hmm. industry towards, hey, this is annoying. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to figure out what to buy oh, when yeah. you're upgrading your bike or replacing something. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's it's also like, why do we need this, right? I think everyone, you know, I would say the vast majority of the riders, if you could do a blindfold test, would probably pretty quickly realize, like, a QR wheel versus a 12 by 142. Like, that, yeah. was, a, that was a significant change in terms of how flexy and noodly that wheel felt. Um, I mean, it was it was so bad that like you couldn't even get the the disc brakes would rub when you were just cornering, like <laughs> leaning the bike over because there was still so happens, much. And now I can't, I can't yeah, imagine how much worse it must have been. You <laughs> yeah, know? it was like, come on. It was it was crazy, right? Yeah. So so that was a that was a huge leap, you know, just QRs and going to through axles, and then you know, one forty two to one forty eight, one hundred to one ten. Uh, I don't know. It was pretty hard to tell the difference. You know, there was some more reasoning behind that because that was when like short chain stays got really popular. One by drivetrains were getting more, you know, more relevant. And so they were trying to mess with chain lines a bit. So they, you know, everyone had their reasons. Super Boost, what's, what, to me, what's weirdest about Super Boost is when you saw like the 142 come out and then you saw it go to 148, when you saw it just go to through axles, then you saw it go to boost, it was like widespread adoption. Every brand, every every bike brand, wheel company, whatever, they just adopted it. It was like, hey, this is the how it is. We've all changed. And, you know, like if you don't have this, you're a dork. Right. Um, <laughs> right. um, Super Boost, why it's so interesting is that it's split down the middle. Some people, some bike brands are doing it and some are not. And and no one, it's not, it's not been accepted. And this is what, are we three years into this now? Oh man. Two years? I'm just now on my boost bike, man. I've been on non-boost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's nuts. It's weird to see super boost, like sit in this strange limbo phase of non widespread adoption. And, and that's what I, I think is strange because, you know, historically you would see just widespread adoption and it is a new standard. It is what it is. And you had to accept it. Superboost, you kind of don't like no one is fully committing to it, right? Some brands are committing to it, but bike brands kind of commit to things like that kind of because they're scared, right? Because if they don't, it takes a long time to get a frame to market, you know, and if they don't, and by the time they get that frame to market, all the other brands beat them to the punch with Superboost, then they're kind of the 
you know, the outdated guys, right? right? So they're afraid. So some brands jumped on it soon, I think out of kind of fear, some fear to fear of being left behind, right? right? And then other brands didn't. Uh, Yeti is still just regular boost. Yeah, it's it's split. It's, it's all over the place. Like when you look at different bikes and who's going to Super Boost, who isn't, and some brands even have like some models that are still with just regular boost, yeah, and which makes it even more confusing. Yeah, totally. And it's I think this all pretty much goes back to some brands being potentially skeptical of the true benefits of Super mm-hmm. Boost. So I think yeah. most have probably realized that Boost is pretty much just fine, and yeah, Super Boost, you know. While it may have some benefits in some situations, probably not worth it for all the compatibility headaches. Yeah, I agree. And at the end of the day, like, you know, obviously the mountain bike industry, when it comes to engineering and who's designing all this stuff, it's predominantly run by what I like to call engineers, um, passionate mountain bikers. <laughs> Don't be offended, please, engineers. Um, passionate mountain bikers who who love it so much and and they're really going for like every tiny microscopic gain out of the bike and and in my opinion I feel like we've hit a bit of a, a product innovation plateau kind of like smartphones right like we're we're making gains but we're making very negligible or incremental gains right. um there there's no like huge pain points when you ride a modern day $7000 mountain bike like you don't really have any huge complaints no Feels no. pretty optimized to me. Like, do you have any like huge complaints? My bikes, like they climb great. They descend great. Like truly how much better, in my opinion, do you think we really could get? But I'm sure, you know, maybe they were thinking that 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Like, the bikes probably feel great, you know? But, yeah, it's so hard to say, right? Because if I say that now and 10 years from now, bikes are completely yeah. different and they're so much better, some magical way then I'm going to look like an idiot. Yeah. And then I'm, we look like the idiots. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take that risk because yeah. <laughs> I, I just remember, you know, I've been riding mountain bikes for, uh, man, since I was 13. So uh, 17 years. And They've come a very long way. When oh, I yeah. started, I was on a bike with V brakes, and it was a pretty nice bike. It was it had it was a giant had V brakes, uh, three by nine, I think, or three by eight drivetrain. Same here. Um, you know, the brakes sucked, the shifting sucked, the <laughs> chain fell off all the time. Awful. The wheels went out of true. I mean, it was like they just sucked. And and now, like, you just don't have any complaints. You know, like totally, there, there really isn't. I mean, the the other than other than of course, like you know, we we can't. We can't neglect the elephant in the room, which is like they're still outrageously expensive. But right. that's a whole other podcast of, you know, economies of scale. How many of these things are they actually manufacture to make, you know, to, to recoup those R&D costs, et cetera. But, but anyways, bikes are expensive. So maybe instead of focusing on going from a 148 axle to 157, they should try to figure out how to make a $7,000 quality bike hit a $3,000 price point. I think we're getting there. You know, I think the technology from the higher end products is definitely trickling down to the more entry level products, which, you know, is awesome to see. Like for example, maybe the Marzocchi Bomber Z2, $500 fork, you know, awesome trail fork, stuff like that, you know, or like some of the newer bikes, like the Ibis, you know, Ritmo AF or whatever, you know, a couple grand, three grand or whatever it is. Just, I think that's a nice place. You can get a super solid bike for a few grand these days. Yep. Um, you know, which is awesome. I mean, it's definitely better than paying $7,000 for a bike. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, to that point, uh, the industry is changing in like the model of the way it sells bikes, right? So consumer True. direct bike brands, absolutely. YT Canyon, common mm-hmm. Sol are some big names. We made a YouTube video about consumer direct bike brands. And, and I think, 
you know, a lot of people were surprised to hear my opinion on it. I mean, I am the founder and owner of a bicycle shop. Um, and you, so then you're going to make an assumption that, of course, I hate consumer direct bike brands because they're going to ruin my business. Uh, but anyways, that video is done really well on YouTube. And I have never seen, I mean, we post some videos that have controversial topics in the mountain bike world. That video got so many comments, but not only just the, the volume of comments, the length of comments were oh, crazy. Yeah. People would comment paragraphs, like paragraphs. I mean, go, if you find that video on YouTube, if you haven't already seen it, take, take it out, check it out, take it out. What? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm drunk. Check, check, check Sh- it out. To check it out. Uh, and look at the comments and you will be shocked at how much people, uh, what they write. I mean, it's, and it's valid. People have different experiences with the whole thing. I don't know. It's it's just wild. It's obviously a very touchy topic amongst people who work at bike shops, who are in the industry, amongst people who have all bought bikes, like everyone listening here and our fans. And yeah, so super interesting stuff. Anyways, bike standards, bikes, bike costs, um, you know, that's that for bike tech stuff. Uh, We want to kind of finish the last segment with a a couple of things. We're going to do a thing called What Are You Riding Now? Bikes, Trails, Types of Riding. And on this podcast, we're going to try and mix in like all of our staff at Worldwide Cyclery and hopefully some really awesome guests as well over time and, and ask people these questions. Um, Jared and I are probably the biggest addicts when it comes to changing our bikes. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> we, we're obsessed with it. Uh, we both we we both spent a lot of time reviewing stuff, right? And and so we love to ride different bikes and and just experiment with all the different brands we sell and different stuff that's out there. So we're always changing things. So we'll always hopefully have something entertaining. And if not, we'll have a guest that has something entertaining. But uh, right now, Jared, what are you riding? Uh, bikes, trails, types of riding. Right now, I'm riding my new SB115. T2 build, so it's got... That's a Yeti. Know, that's the Yeti. people who aren't... That is the Yeti, SB115. Obsessed with Yetis that don't maybe immediately know what SB115 yes, is. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Yes, that is true. The Yeti SB115 T2 build uh, with the Revel wheels and the Hydra hubs. I can't get enough of it. I have been riding mainly, you know, just... What would you... I, would, I don't want to call it down country. I've been doing kind of cross-country riding on it. Yeah, you know? cross-country. Yeah, I've yeah. just been going around Newbury Park, you know, um, a lot of local trails. I live super close to a bunch of trails around here, so I have been doing pretty much as much riding on that bike as possible. I'll probably try and get a little bit out of my comfort zone on that bike here pretty soon because I want to see what it can do. Um, but yeah, I just love that bike. It's so fun, super nimble and efficient. Um but also kind of plush at the same time with, you know, yeah. the travel that it has. So I just love how it feels. And how, how they tuned the shock. Yes. Right. And just like this, you know, Fox suspension on there, right? Totally. Like you can get oh, yeah. that like first 50% of the travel, like really plush mm-hmm. and buttery. And then it like ramps up pretty aggressively to where it feels, you know, like it doesn't run out as quick as you would think it would. Absolutely. Only having what's 130 in the front? 130 in the front. And then yeah, 115 in the, in the rear. Back, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in the coolest thing, I mean it just doesn't feel like I don't get any harsh bottoming out. You know, even yeah. if you do bottom out, it's not like, Oh my God, I just bottomed out that hurt. It's just, Oh, you don't even, I don't even notice it to be honest. Like it's just awesome. I really enjoy that bike. Yeah. What have cool. you been riding? Well, I, uh, I'm a bit of a mess when it comes to what bikes I've been riding. So for a while I've been riding my trail bike, uh, is an Uno dash. So Uno cycles is a, a Spanish brand. They hand make these things in Barcelona. I have, they make 50 a year of each model. I have number 24 of 50. It is like the creme de la creme of bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel like a snob riding it. I feel like I should ride in like a suit coat or something. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. It is. It's gorgeous. And mine's, I have a custom paint on mine. Like we became, I always like, it's funny in a YouTube video, somebody asked, uh, it was an Ask Jeff video, like what's your dream bike? And I said a Nuno Dash. And, and sure enough, like almost two years after that, they approached us and they're like, hey, you you know, do you guys want to be dealers, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, okay. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, so, so anyways, like, and, and yeah, I've been riding that one. We, we made plenty of content on it. It's on our site. Check it out anyway. So that's, that's a trail bike, but surprisingly enough, uh, I'm, I'm going to be selling that thing. Uh, cause it kind of, I am forced to always, I'm forced right? how that's ridiculous to say that, but, but I, uh, (laughs) I, I, I try to like change bikes a lot and test different bikes. And so now I'm I'm going like all salsa out, right? So salsa cycles. We made a video. They released two new longer travel bikes, uh, 140 mil travel 29er and 165 millimeter travel 29er. And I'm going to start in the so the 140 travel is a Blackthorn is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Weagle designed suspension platform, split pivot. Uh, that thing is sweet. I've been riding that. It's I'm going to take bike. it to Moab next month. Uh, anyways, I won't get in too in depth on it. If you're curious about those bikes, uh, YouTube channel, website, click on the blog, watch section. Uh, anyways, so riding that a bit. And then I also have two other salsas, crazy enough. Big salsa guy. Big salsa guy right now. <laughs> Pick up the guy, oh, please. Pick up the guy. Um, uh, a cutthroat and a storm chaser. So the cutthroat. Actually, we were going to do a gravel ride. What was it called? Lost and Found? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, anyway, Santa Cruz donated. That was put on by Sierra Buttes Trail, right? Trail organization? How do you say the name of that place? Sierra Sierra Trails is their Instagram, at Sierra Trails, I think. Uh, they, they were going to put on a 107 mile, like adventure gravel, like single day ride. And, and so a bunch of us from the shop, you know, all had plans to do that in June. Uh, you know, most of us didn't even have proper bikes cause we we're just a bunch of mountain bikers. So we all like bought gravel bikes, all started, <laughs> you know, quote unquote training for that. It broke my heart. Uh, and yeah, of course it unfortunately got canceled because it's 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how that goes. And, um, so we're not doing that, but anyways, I built up that cutthroat. They call it a drop bar mountain bike and it's kind of like a aggressive gravel bike. So it's like mountain bike ish geometry, but it's supposed to have drop bars. But of course I put flat bars on it cause I can't ride drop bars. It's, <laughs> that's uh, insane. Um, dropper post on it too. So I've been riding that thing and I have like the frame bag on. I did a little mini bike packing adventure the other week. Um, I don't know. That's fun. It's, it's different. I don't know. I've ridden mountain bikes for so long. I love them. I'll never stop, but I don't know. It was kind of cool to ride this like hodgepodge gravel bike. It's kind of just a rigid mountain bike. Yeah. Um, and if you've seen know. Jeff ride this thing, it might give you a heart attack <laughs> because <laughs> I don't understand how he doesn't get a new tire every ride or a new rim every I ride. Have, I have gone through several, probably over a dozen tires in, <laughs> oh in the God. last six months, just, just blowing holes in them. Cause there's 700 by 42 C tires. And I just blitz the thing down. I mean, mountain bike trails. It's funny. Cause I was during COVID when I wasn't traveling or anything, I was trying to ride a uh, hundred miles a week and I was using that bike and I got bored of riding like gravel roads and streets. So I was just riding mountain, like just straight up mountain bike trails with a rigid bike, 700 C by 42 tires. I was just blowing up tires. And I, <laughs> and by, by six weeks into that, I quit after six weeks. Um, cause my wrist was all messed up. Uh, my, from not even crashing, just, figure, just from right? like the, just the jarring and, and pain. And then my like neck and upper back, I was, I was toasted from that. Uh, from that experience, that'll do uh, it, man. You had a Y Cycles R Plus, and oh. you rode it 
like a normal human. Yeah. I loved that bike. Yeah. That was a really awesome bike. Why'd you sell that? You know, part of me, um, when I'm out on the gravel bike, I want to take the fun single track lines and I try to do that on the gravel bike, which you could probably do, but I just, yeah, my whole body gets rattled and I'm like, man, I just wish I would have brought an XC bike. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is pretty much why I sold it. Yeah. It's it's hard to take a mountain biker away from being a mountain biker. Totally. Um, That's, that's how it goes. Well, uh, that's we're going to wrap it up with that. Thank you guys very much. If you've listened this far, we genuinely appreciate it. Uh, send us any feedback at podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. Uh, moving forward, we're, we're going to try to do these hopefully every two or four weeks or who knows with, with uh, our schedules and whatnot and mix in different guests and, and different staff from Worldwide Cyclery. And, and once again, we're going to really try and stick to those core values that you know Jonathan and Stephen followed in terms of no profanity, positivity, uh, unbiased stuff, bring value to mountain bikers, um, and just have fun. So, so that's our goal with this podcast. Hope, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Uh, subscribe. Is it called subscribe on a podcast? I think so. I was like, I'm a. Am I a YouTuber? Please don't call me that. Subscribe. Yeah, I'm always like, hit the subscribe, hit the thumbs up button, and subscribe. And I don't know what to say on a podcast. <laughs> comment, like, follow. Do you comment follow on a podcast? I don't know. Everyone <laughs> always asks for reviews. Please review our podcast. Please. Why the hell do people get so uptight about the reviews? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, anyways, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please you. do let us know what you thought of this. And uh, yeah, there you go. See you next time. Cheers. Cheerio. Cheers. That's hipster. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Run a sound effect, Mr. Pine. DJ Pineapple. Sound effect. <laughs> <laughs>